Thank you, and once again, good morning to students and teachers of the Word of God, or good afternoon, depending upon the area in which you're receiving this broadcast. We trust that the Theological Seminar of the Air will be uh, for your edification and exhortation as we bring you a lesson this week on the sins against the Holy Spirit. Now, in our previous lessons in pneumatology, we've been studying at length and in much detail the work of the Holy Spirit, both in the world and in the life of the believer. And we gave the uh, serious student of the Word of God, the conscientious student of the Word of God, who believes the King James Bible and not the nonsense put out since 1800, about 300 verses to deal with the relation of the Holy Spirit to the believer, the works of the Holy Spirit, the names of the Holy Spirit, the deity of the Holy Spirit, and the works of the Holy Spirit within the world. As we've mentioned before in previous broadcasts, this information is hidden to the so-called Holy Ghost charismatic, who knows very little bit about the Holy Spirit at all, and most of the uh, Holy Ghost charismatic knowledge of the Holy Ghost charismatic is based upon a fleshy experience which he mistakes for a spiritual experience. The Bible says, let no man deceive himself, and these people do. It says, let no man deceive you, and they let them. And the Bible says, be not deceived, and they are. Of course, there's no way to be deceived by believing the Bible, what God said, as God said it, in the context in which it appears. And, of course, these people do not do this, so quite naturally they are deceived. Now, we've studied at length the works of the Holy Spirit, and this week we're going to talk about the sins against the Holy Spirit. You'll notice how careful we are to say sins and not the sin. Uh, the charismatic, hobbly-gobbly, hubble-bubble, hostile, ashantan, batai, bowtie, ecumenical, international socialists are always worried about the unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit. And this is due to their extreme and gross ignorance as to the other sin that can be committed against the Holy Spirit. It is very typical of people who worry about the unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit that they continually commit the other sins against the Holy Spirit while worrying about the one that they think they have or have not committed. In this lesson, the Holy Spirit, we study the sins against the Spirit. Now, to begin with, the Holy Spirit is a person, not clear, that can be sinned against. So let us beware lest we sin against him, either consciously or unconsciously, because he certainly can be sinned against exactly as any person can be sinned against. Some of these sins could probably only be committed by believers, others by unbelievers. However, these differences may be hard to prove as being absolute. And we'll talk about this when we talk about the so-called unpardonable sin, which was only committed when Christ was on the earth in the flesh and has never been committed any time since. Uh, the sins against the Holy Spirit are listed separately, and uh, you can find many good sermons about these uh, matters from the uh, preachers in North and South Carolina who spend considerable time talking about the Holy Spirit and his works and his ministry. Now, first of all, we have the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is one sin for which there is no forgiveness. In Matthew 12, verse 31, before the crucifixion, we read, Wherefore I say to you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy, definite article, against the Holy Ghost, definite article, shall not be forgiven. It is called the unpardonable sin, the most awful sin that can be committed on earth, and of course it was only committed in the time when Christ was on this earth before the crucifixion. There's no reference to anybody committing this sin after the crucifixion of the resurrection, and of course there isn't any reference to a Christian ever committing this sin under any condition, nor is there any reference where the devil might even tempt him to commit such a sin. Now, the mistakes of uh, the 
holiness people in trying to make the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost somebody criticizing their work is typical of the Tom uh, tomfoolery and the combobulated bumfoozling that goes on in America today. You have these idiots getting up and saying, well, if you say our works of the devil and it's of the Lord, you've committed the unpardonable sin. Well, that's interesting uh, kindergarten reading for the childhood brownies and the campfire girls, but it certainly has nothing to do with the Bible. Uh, those of us who believe our Bibles are never to be taken in by such nonsense as that. Uh, if you take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 3 and begin at verse uh, 20, uh, Eight, you will find the Lord Jesus Christ said, Verily I say unto you, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies, whithersoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because... Now, the way the Pentecostal charismatic heresy gets so screwed up in the Bible is by simply refusing to finish the sentence. Uh, Mark chapter 3, 28 and 29 and 30 is one sentence. And by breaking the sentence at the colon at the end of verse 29, we get this ridiculous private interpretation that if you make fun of the charismatic Pentecostal uh, blabberty, blubberty, hobberty, flobberty, flibberty gibbets, you've committed the unpardonable sin. Now, I don't say that from a uh, theological standpoint, but from a personal standpoint, having many dealings with these people, I recall a particular two occasions where uh, when I uh, did a little tongue speaking for somebody, they said, Brother Ruckman, you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. To which I answered, nuts. And, of course, charitably. I mean, who ever heard of such foolishness? What a serious, mature Christian would believe such nonsense for five minutes. This man said to me, do you speak other tongues? I said, I thank God I speak with more tongues than you all. I gave him a little ay ay canto noyores porque cantando se le grancilito lindo los corazones but a sheep barilo him at Hashemayan bendis all that and dush they stop my shirni kangadeska ich nizang siyasar dalawad masakit kubuntu kawag gam magalala I threw a little Japanese and German and Spanish and Tagalog and Hebrew at him he didn't worry about that but he knew I was uh, making a fool out of him so he said you blaspheme the Holy Ghost and I said, oh, son, run on before you get hit in the traffic, okay? I mean, the very idea. These little immature, spoiled brats telling somebody they've committed the unpardonable sin when they don't even know what it is and reject what the Word of God says about it. The Word of God says in Mark chapter 3, verse 30, the unpardonable sin is saying that Jesus Christ has an unclean spirit. Unquote. Now, who ever heard of such nonsense we have going on in America today? Some are saying, well, if you attribute to the Lord the works of the devil, attribute to the devil the works of the Lord, nonsense. Why, well, I read in the Old Testament where Satan moved David the number of Israel, and the next account says the Lord moved him to do it. I read in the Bible where the Lord said he was moved against Job without cause, and I read in chapter 1 where the devil did it. I mean, who are you trying to kid, your grandmother? The Lord and the devil walk and walk so, walk so close together, you couldn't possibly tell them apart. No way under God's earth, brother. Why, the New Schofield Reference Bible calls the Lord's army the devil's army in Joel chapter 2. You think Schofield's in hell? Or the board editors in the New Schofield Bible? I mean, who do you think you're talking to anyway? Some little kid been saved about three weeks? 
Mark chapter 3, verse 30 says, The unpardonable sin is saying, saying, speaking. You have to speak it. You have to say that Jesus Christ, present tense, has an unclean spirit. That's what the unpardonable sin is. That is the sin against the Holy Ghost according to the Holy Ghost. According to the Holy Ghost who wrote the Scriptures, the unpardonable sins against the Holy Ghost is saying, quote, He, Jesus, hath an unclean spirit. That is the unpardonable sin, and your opinion is not to be considered. And believe me what your preacher says about it, uh, we could care less. I mean, once God has spoken, uh, who you interrupt the conversation? So all this nonsense about saying, well, this whole in the homeless meeting was the devil, this healing line was the devil, the unclean spirit was working. Well, that had nothing to do with the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. The blasphemy against the Holy Ghost was saying Jesus Christ had an unclean spirit. Not you, you fool. A lot of you probably have unclean spirits. <laughs> They're probably crawling all over you. What are you talking about? There probably isn't a Christian who ever lived that wasn't influenced by an unclean spirit at one time or another. Do you mean to tell me you live in America and don't have any unclean spirits? You live in America and have a television set in your living room and you don't think you have any unclean spirits? <laughs> Who are you trying to kid, man? Don't kid us. Some of you pious-talking people, you go, you go try to kid somebody who doesn't have any sense, all right? The unpardonable sin is saying that Jesus Christ has an unclean spirit. Jesus cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the scribes said Jesus performed the miracles by Satan's power. That was blasphemy. And, of course, it had nothing to do with us saying that somebody like Earl Roberts or Catherine Kuhlman or T.T. Osborne or A. Allen or Reverend Ike or uh, Branham or Jack Cole or uh, Schombach or somebody else was doing the work by extrasensory perception or hypnosis or telepathy or psychological manipulation. I didn't say they did, but I said if anybody said they did, that certainly had nothing to do with Mark chapter 3 or Matthew chapter 12. And if a man would take Matthew chapter 12 and Mark chapter 3 to hide behind to get away his devilment and try to scare you into thinking that if you criticize his work, you commit unpardonable sin, he's a dirty, two-faced, double-tongued, lying hypocrite. And that's the best you can say for him. You might be able to say a little bit worse. The very idea of threatening people with the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost if they criticize your work. Tut, 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 child. Charles G. Finney says this, The Holy Spirit is grieved by saying or publishing things that are calculated to undervalue the work of God. When a blessed work of God is spoken lightly of, not rendering to God the glory due to his name, the Holy Spirit is grieved. If anything be said about a revival, give only the plain and naked facts just as they are and let them pass for what they're worth. Charles G. Finney was talking about people who criticize a revival unnecessarily. And, of course, when he was talking about a revival, he was talking about thousands of people getting saved, not thousands of Baptists and Methodists leaving their churches to get tied up in a psychological, emotional blabbermouth, hubbly-gubbly-hobbly-gobbly in order to go back to Rome. That isn't what Charles E. Finney had in mind. When he talked about a revival, he was talking about a Bible revival and the salvation of thousands of souls. He was not talking about an ecumenical movement based upon emotional experiences. Notice Finney said the Holy Spirit is grieved by publishing things 
that are calculated to undervalue the work of God. This is why the Holy Spirit has never blessed any translation published since 1800. If you can imagine the how much the Holy Spirit is grieved by publishing things that are calculated to under-evaluate the work of God, imagine how the Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible feels about publishing things that are calculated to undervalue the Word of God. After all, the Word of God was exalted above Christ's name in the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, you'll find there's one thing that has been exalted above the name of Jesus Christ, and that's the Word of God. Now, we realize that Jesus only, Jesus, 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 blessed Jesus, dear Jesus people, ignore this, but not because any heretic enjoy and ignores the truth where it crosses his particular line of reasoning. And the truth of the matter is, the Holy Spirit has exalted the Word of God above the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the truth of the matter. Now, it's uh, very true that uh, many Christians today reject this sound biblical doctrine, but that's because the average conservative fundamental Christian today is an apostate reprobate who has turned away his ear from hearing sound doctrine and will not listen to it. He has rejected it. And you were warned about this over in Second Timothy. Now, in Psalm 138, verse 2, you'll find there's something that's higher than the name of Jesus Christ. Psalm 138, 2. And although Jesus is the name that's above every name, there is something God has magnified above his own name, and that is the Word of God, small w, the Bible. Psalm 138, verse 2. And the way to spot the modern apostate fundamentalist, or reprobate fundamentalist, or backslidden fundamentalist, is by his attitude toward Psalm 138, verse 2. The modern apostate fundamentalist that corrects the King James Bible with such ridiculous nonsense as the new ASV and the International Bible and the ASV and similar trash is usually found at a Christian college or Christian university. And these apostate fundamentalists think they're superior to the Word of God, and they say the rallying point is the fundamentals, which of course is a lie. The rallying point is the written revelation of God, from which the fundamentals were extracted. The modern apostate fundamentalist in the Christian college or university is living back in the 1920s and 1930s when the big battle was on over the fundamentals of the faith. Things have progressed a great deal since then. But the apostate fundamentalist always falls 50 years out of step for the time, and it doesn't realize in the 1970s the big issue has nothing to do with the fundamentals at all. It has to do with authority. The whole fight in the world today, in the secular and religious world, and in the home, and in the ball diamond, and in the arena, and in the army, navy, marine corps, church, school, is who is the final authority. And that's why most pastors that build big churches are dictators. They have to be dictators to keep the dictators out of the congregation. The fight is over authority. The fundamentals are a small matter. The modern Bibles all deny the fundamentals of the faith in Colossians 1.14, Acts 1.3, Luke 2.33, and Luke 24.51 and 52, every single one of them. And their alibi for their production is, since you can find the fundamentals of the faith in some other place in the Bible, it's perfectly all right to attack them in these places. This is what we call apostasy and it is characteristic of the fundamentalism of our age and our day and time. 
And the reason why is these people have exalted Christian education above the Word of God, Psalm 138, 2, not believing the fact stated by the Holy Spirit that the Word of God is exalted above the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Phineas says the Holy Spirit is grieved by publishing things that are calculated to undervalue the work of God, he made a tremendous prophecy which he himself was unaware of, not for the fact that God has never blessed any new translation of the Bible since 1800, and never will. If you had all the souls saved who are saved under the preaching or teaching of a living Bible, or an ASV or a new ASV, an international Bible, you wouldn't have one-fifth of the souls that have been saved under those Bibles since 1901 that have been saved last year by the preaching and teaching of a King James 1611 authorized version. There have been more people saved and led to Christ and rooted and grounded in the faith by the teaching and preaching of the King James Bible in ten years than have ever been rooted and grounded to saved under the last 45 translations in the last 85 years. The Holy Spirit knows the book that he wants preserved, and like a fellow said to one of our young men, which Bible do you use? Our young man said, I use the one that God uses. Now further, the Holy Spirit can be insulted by the pride of men. In Hebrews 10, 29, we read of the tribulation of the saint, of our sore punishment, Suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and the count of the blood of the covenant, whereby he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite to the Spirit of grace. The Holy Spirit presents the atoning work of Jesus Christ to the unsaved people, and if the sinner refuses to believe or accept it, he is insulting the Holy Spirit. In the rejection, the sinner is saying to the Holy Spirit, the whole work of Christ is a deception or a lie, and he presents God with another plan of salvation, his own works. In counting the death of Christ as a common thing, the death of an ordinary man, the unsaved sinner postulates his own works as a plan of salvation, his own goodness and his own righteousness, and substitute for the finished work of a sinless man his own irrational, religious, superstitious foolishness. To deny the deity of Christ and the preciousness of the blood of Jesus Christ is to despise the witness of the Holy Spirit, according to 1 John chapter 5, verse 8, which has been removed from every new translation in the market, because the apostate fundamentalists who made the new translations insult the Holy Spirit. So they have taken 1 John 5, 7, and 8 out of your new Bibles, or butchered in half, and this, of course, is insulting the Holy Spirit and counting the blood of the covenant as an unclean thing. This is very typical of the modern apostate fundamentalist which, uh, who spend his time in Christian schools teaching young men to correct the Bible with a lot of irreligious nonsense. The Holy Spirit can be insulted by the pride of men. That is, no, the Holy Spirit can be vexed by the disobedience of men. In Isaiah 63, verse 9 to 10, we read, Israel rebel and vexed his Holy Spirit. Uh, the portion in Isaiah 63 refers to backslidden Israel. But the principles of God never change, and men today are as disobedient rebellious against the Holy Spirit as they were then. If we are honest with ourselves, this has probably been our hindrance spiritually right along and grieving the Holy Spirit and uh, vexing the Holy Spirit and disturbing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is holy and more pure than the purest woman who ever lived. And the most pure, refined, noble, cultured woman that ever set her foot on this earth was never as pure and never as holy and never as humble and never as sensitive as the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit of God is first pure, then peaceful, according to James. He can be insulted, he can be grieved, he can be vexed. At our next lesson, we'll find he can be resisted, he can be tempted, he can be quenched, he can be grieved by the frivolity of men. The Holy Spirit, the blessed influence of God upon this earth, the kiss of God upon the lost soul of man, is here to testify the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, but more than that, to the infallibility of the word which he himself, the Holy Ghost, wrote and preserved. There is no way to talk about the Holy Spirit magnifying Jesus Christ without remembering that the only place you found the Holy Spirit magnified Jesus Christ was in the written words of the Bible. Therefore, to make the rallying point the deity of Christ is a false rallying point. You wouldn't know about the deity of Christ if it weren't for the written words of God. Therefore, to make the Lord Jesus Christ the rallying point is heresy. You wouldn't know about the Lord Jesus Christ if it weren't for the written words of God. That is, the modern apostate fundamentalist in setting up the Westcott and Hort cult sets up a cult where the rallying place is the wrong place. And the reason why the modern Christian university seminaries make Jesus Christ the rallying place as a point is because there are many views of Jesus Christ as there are of rockets to the moon. As a matter of fact, in America, there are about 35 different Jesus Christ being preached from 45 different translations. Therefore, the modern apostate fundamentalist who is setting up the cult of recognized scholarship is establishing a cult where he, the scholar, will be recognized with the final authority instead of Jesus Christ. We call this apostasy. There is one liberal at Union Theological Seminary or Colgate Rochester Divinity School there's one liberal at Harvard or Yale or Princeton or Chicago University that didn't begin where the modern fundamentalist begins. By emphasizing certain things taken out of the Bible instead of the Bible. The excuse for this is if you believe the Bible, you're what they call a bibliolater. That's the alibi. And that alibi is being used by school teachers in Christian universities in America today exactly as the liberals used it in Harvard and Yale in 1750 and 1760, and exactly as the liberals used it at the University of Chicago in 1920 and 1930. Birds of a feather flock together. The Holy Spirit who wrote the books can be vexed, can be insulted. The Holy Spirit who wrote the book, wrote the book and preserved the book. And the Holy Spirit who wrote the book and preserved the book did it and said the word was magnified above the name of God. Therefore, any movement to substitute for that Bible, anything else, is the move of a man who started toward apostasy, even though he may not be apostate. And the apostate is defined in the dictionary as one who falls away from a standing position, who keeps on professing the position without believing it. And this is why 90% of the faculty members of Christian schools in America today could be called apostate without falsely accusing them. For they are actually telling their students they believe the Bible is the Word of God, present tense is, and they don't. And that is the mark of the apostate, that he falls away from the belief without ceasing to profess in the belief. That's what the word apostate means. And in the cult of recognized scholarship, which extends from origin to uh, the modern new Bibles, the cultists, the high priests of the cult, 
constantly call the Christian's attention away from the Bible as the final authority and make him look to the cult as authority. The cult of, quote, recognized scholarship or, quote, qualified authorities. This is the work of a demon, and it is contrary to the work of the Holy Spirit. The root of vexation is rebellion. And the body of Christian scholars have rebelled against the Word of God and set themselves up as the cult of recognized scholarship as the final authority, and they will attack anybody who believes the Bible as a bibliolater. They themselves are education alters. They worship their own brain. Sometimes the Holy Spirit reveals ugliness within, and instead of being thankful for the discovery, we rebel, and our proud heart refuse to make the necessary confession. And when the Holy Spirit reveals to a Christian scholar that he's going to apostasy and leading people astray, he rebels and refuses to confess and goes on into apostasy. And the teacher who takes his place is one step further down the line. The teacher who takes his place is one step further down the line. And that is why every major Christian college and university in America went to apostasy in less than 50 years. 50 years will be the limit. Some of them went to apostasy in 20 years. To refuse to accept the place in life that the Holy Spirit gives and our assigned place in the body of Christ by complaining against the Holy Spirit vexes the Holy Spirit to the point of righteous indignation and he'll see that a chastening comes on you. After repeated warnings, multiplied blessings, plus abundant light and knowledge to persist in evil, to still ignore the Holy Spirit is vexing the Holy Spirit. So the Christian should listen to the Word of God, yield and obey the commandments of the Lord, and never vex the Holy Spirit. He should cease his stubbornness of will and accept the blessings that the Holy Spirit wants to give to him. The Holy Spirit, the blessed third person of the Trinity, is the author of Scripture, the inspirer of Scripture, the preserver of Scripture, the anointer of Scripture, the preacher of Scripture, and the revealer of Scripture, and the interpreter of Scripture. And the cult of recognized scholarship could never get in the same league with the Holy Spirit who wrote the book. When in doubt, throw the qualified authorities out. Go by the book. Go by what it says, as it says it, in the context in which it is spoken. Now, this concludes our first brief lesson on the sins against the Holy Spirit. We have talked in this lesson about the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost committed while Christ was on earth before the crucifixion. We've talked about men insulting the Holy Spirit by rejecting the Lord's plan of salvation and by rejecting the written revelation of God. And we've talked about how, the, how men can vex the Holy Spirit by disobeying and setting themselves up as authority against the words of the Holy Spirit, which he wrote and preserved. In our next lesson, we'll talk about unbelief as a sin against the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the insincerity of man tempting God as a sin against the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit's work being quenched by the prejudice of men. And we'll talk about the Holy Spirit being grieved by the frivolity of men, or the lightness, or looseness, or immorality of men. We'll talk about these further in our next lesson on the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, we'll not be, fill, uh, we'll not be through with the study on pneumatology yet. We still have to study on a pneumatology at least four more lessons on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and, of course, the spirit-filled life of the child of God. We hope you'll join us in these broadcasts in the future. Until then, may the Lord bless you and good day.